When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back and we're joined by two very special guests, the real life David and Melissa in the film, David Scotton and Melissa Coles. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. I'm so excited to, to, for the world to see your story. I remember the first time somebody sent me I Lived on Parker Avenue. And for those of you who are wondering, that's the name of a documentary short film that tells the story uh, of this amazing birth and adoption and this, um, this reunion. And I was not going to even watch the movie because it was just sent to me on my phone. And my wife said, you should watch that. And when your wife gives you that look and says, you should watch that, <laughs> you, you watch it. And I just started tears coming down my face because my wife and I have six kids and four of our kids are adopted. And my wife is an adopted child. And so I'm watching this as an adoptive father thinking, oh my goodness, this needs to, to become a movie. And uh, it's about the two of you and your families. And I, I, I just wonder, what is it like to see your own real life story turned into a, 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 a movie in the theaters? It's very humbling. It does not feel real at all. And, and I've had a lot of people say, how do you feel seeing yourself like this? And I just, I, it's unreal. I just, I can't believe it. And it's just going to touch so many people. And that's what I'm waiting for. It's, it's so exciting. We put out on the Parker Avenue online. We hope to influence even one person with the adoption option. And to see how far... Life Mark is going to go and extend that reach. We are so excited that y'all help share our story further and save more lives and hopefully increase the adoption option. Yeah, the, the adoption option. I, I love that. And of course, we know all about Life Mark and all about the story. But for those who haven't seen the movie yet, uh, Melissa, can you just share a little of your backstory that led up to your courageous decision of choosing life? When I was 18 years old, I found myself in an unplanned pregnancy, and I um, wasn't married. I wasn't well off. We oftentimes didn't even have food in the house. And um, when you're young, and you got to remember, I was 18. I'm a lot older than that now. But back then, they didn't have resources at your fingertips. And back then, it was either you parented your child or you Mm -hmm. got an abortion before it becomes a baby. And yes, I'm being sarcastic by that because obviously we know that it's a baby at moment of conception. So um, I was at an abortion clinic in Indianapolis because that was gonna be the fastest and easiest solution. And as we approached the abortion clinic, they, uh, they rush out to get you when you arrive. And they put a blanket over my head and a radio on both sides to drown out the noise of the sidewalk advocates that were outside. Mm. And um, as I was walking in, there was this one protester that I could hear, even though this rock music was playing on both sides of my ear, and she said, your baby's got 10 fingers and 10 toes. 
And that sort of just running through my mind as I'm going inside. Mm. And as I get inside the clinic, everything happens so quickly. They take your money first thing because that's the motivating factor. So they, they took my money right away and uh, they rush you back very quickly. And I was rushed back and on my way back, I could see other women in the hallways and in other rooms and they all were just slouched down, very pale, very sad, and just a very evil feeling in the, in the building. And they took me back to what I now call the silver room. And as I enter the silver room, the nurse says, take this, and it's a little white cup with the blue pill, put this gown on, lay on the table, and put your feet in the stirrups. And yes, ma'am, I, I didn't know any different. So as I, as I walk in, there's like all the, all the walls are white, everything's silver, the sink, the table I had to lay on, the, the table that has all the instruments. Yeah. And it looks like, like what you would see in a dental office. So as, as, I, as I'm lying on this table and I just take them this pill, and I'm looking over at this tray and I'm thinking, man, are they going to use that stuff on me? What, what is all this? As I'm in there, I have a experience from the Lord. So I'm laying back on the table. As my head falls to the right, I can see my reflection in the cart. And I hear this voice and it says, get up, get up. It's not too late. For a mm. second, I'm thinking, now what kind of pill do they just give me, right? Right, right. So I lay back and I keep reliving the voices of your baby's got 10 fingers and 10 toes and the voice that I had just heard pleading with me, get up, get up, it's not too late. As right as that happened, the abortionist comes in, never makes eye contact with me at all and I'm an eye contact person. So he comes in, washes his hands, sits on the silver stool, slides over to me, and right as his hand, his left hand, or his hand went and touched my left leg, I sat up and I said, I can't do this. I just, I can't. And instead of saying, well, that's great. Do you know there's other resources available? Instead, he gets angry at me. And he stands up, never look, looks me in the eye, not once. Rips off his gloves, turns around, starts to walk out, pushes his foot on the silver trash can, drops his gloves in, and just leaves me there. No nurse came in. No more doctors came in, nothing. So I got dressed and left the abortion facility still pregnant. When I got back, I got in the car and we got driving down the road and I said, I couldn't do it. And I was asked, what do you mean you couldn't do it? And I said, I, ju I just couldn't do it. So we're like, now what are we gonna do? And I had no idea what I was gonna do, honestly, at the time. Yeah. And I was blessed with a UTI infection. And I say I'm blessed with a UTI infection because of this led to the adoption. So when I went to the emergency room, um, I got connected with a social worker and her name was Rhonda. And I said, so let me ask you this. If I ask or tell you anything, you cannot repeat it, correct? She says, that's correct. And I can't tell anybody. So I shared my story and where I was at. And I said, I don't know what to do. And she said, have you ever thought about adoption? And I said, adoption? I said, you mean just give my baby to somebody I don't know? What? I won't know where they're at or what they're doing or if mm. they're okay. Yeah. I won't know what kind of life they had. And she goes, but if you think about the alternative, because ultimately he was five seconds or less away from person non-existent. Yeah. So I, I gave that some thought and, and she said to think it over a few days. And I did that and I called her back and she got me connected with Kirsch and Kirsch PC who facilitated my adoption. Wow. 
David, when, when did you first realize that adoption was part of your story? Ado my, my family has been very open about my adoption from mm -hmm. day one. We celebrated it. We had adoption day every year where it was almost like a second birthday. And my, my grandparents would come over and they'd you know, give me a card. They'd scratch out happy birthday and they'd put happy adoption day. And so we openly celebrated it. Yeah. And uh, it was just a, it was a part of me, but it wasn't a part that I really wanted to share. I felt different. I felt like I didn't fit in. Mm. And a lot of that was due to the stigmas behind adoption. And so I really didn't tell people. We, we celebrated in the house, but I didn't really share that with my friends. Because when I would share it, I'd get questions of, well, who's your real mom? Who's your real dad? Yeah. And it was questions like that that really started to bother me. And, and they didn't know what adoption is. They didn't know that I have a biological mother who I'm thankful for every day for leaving that abortion clinic and choosing adoption. And also have my mom, Susan Scotton. And so... Um, Growing up, I really didn't share it that often. And it took, it took a long time and, and for me to decide to open up and share our family's adoption story. And for 18 years, we, we had no contact. I, I wondered who she was every now and then, but it was always kind of a, a thought that just kind of went in and, and slipped out the other way. And I asked my dad one year if I could see a picture. And we had one picture of, of Melissa and Brian, my birth parents. And I saw the picture and I said, they, they look like nice people. And that was it. I, I kind of saw who they were, and, and um, that was it for now. But obviously, our lives have changed, and, and now, to say the least, right? Yes. And now we're here today. <laughs> wow. It's unbelievable. It is, it is unbelievable. I mean, when, did, did you envision, when you were on your way to meet Melissa, did you wonder how you would feel? Did you have, a, a, did you have something planned that you thought you were going to say, and did you say it? I, I really had no idea what it was going to be like. We communicated on Facebook for, for about a year, and so I never heard her voice. I had seen a picture on Facebook, and, uh, and so when I was going up there to Indiana, I just, I was scared. I, I didn't know really what we were doing. I just felt that this was, this was right. This was God calling me to come up and say thank you. I knew that I wanted to say thank you for choosing life and for leaving that clinic and, and allowing me to live. And Melissa, when, when you placed David for adoption, did you ever think that you'd see him again? I never thought I would see him again. So, um, it was uh, very special. What did that feel like? Oh, I was nervous and scared and excited. I had so many emotions. I was shaking like a leaf. I just wondered what he would look like. And I wondered, you know, did, it, did he hate me for that decision? I remember going into your house for the first time and sitting on the couch, and, and you don't really know what to say, right? It just, it's, it's a little awkward, yeah. but um, I just remember saying thank you, and then hearing, that was one of the first things you told me, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it, because I, I, I had, had never... I had to shock you more. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. I never held any grudge at all. I was just always thankful that you left the clinic, and I'm here today because of you, and that's the message of adoption. Yes. And so to be able to go and meet you and say thank you and hear you say that was just, it, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And I'm glad that, yeah. I'm glad it was filmed and so people can see it and, and see what adoption is and, and share their own adoption stories too. 
Wow, this is so exciting. I, mean, I can't wait to see the movie. <laughs> I already know how it turns out. <laughs> and listen, when we come back, we're going to talk uh, with Melissa and David more about their first meeting, what their relationship looks like today, and what it's been like to share their story with all of the world in our upcoming film, Life Mark. Welcome back. Before the break, we met David Scotton and Melissa Coles, whose real-life adoption story we've been honored to tell in our upcoming film, Life Mark. Um, I want to talk now about the, the circumstances that led to you guys meeting. Um, what, was, what was going on that allowed you to connect? When he was getting ready to turn 18, I had looked over at my husband and said, you know, He's about to turn 18. I should update my records with Kirsch and Kirsch PC. And that way, if he tries to find me, he doesn't have to go on a long journey to try to find me. So when I did that, they had communicated with the Scottons and said, hey, Melissa's looking for an update. Are you interested? And bam, there it went. And, and the, the timing of that was, was just perfect because I had just shared our story for the first time exactly a month before. And so we go home. And we had the, you know, the voice machine, and we hear, it's Kirsch and Kirsch, your birth mother is interested in an update. And so at that moment, I, it was just unbelievable, because we, we had never heard anything. I mean, we didn't have any identifying information After all these point. years. Yeah. And so we decided to, to say yes, and I wrote a letter. And in my letter, I asked if, if she had Facebook, and if she did, she, she could add me on Facebook. And sure enough, a few weeks later, we started communicating on Facebook. And, yeah. Wow. And now here we are. Melissa, did you think that he would want to meet you? I was very unsure. I, I just didn't know if he would hold resentment toward me, and I didn't know. I hadn't told him that he had a sister. So I had a lot of news to share with him. And, and I, you didn't know how he'd react. I, I didn't. Was there anyone in your circles that, were, that was advising you not to meet him, that maybe this would be a bad idea? Actually, no. Um, David was a secret for 19 years, even from my own mom and dad. When I was pregnant, nobody knew that I was pregnant other than the birth father. Nobody. I carried him full term, all nine months, delivered him, and nobody knew. Nobody. And when I met my husband, Sean Coles, I, well, we're going on 16 years of marriage. He is the only person that I've ever shared that with. And he looked at me and he said, oh, he's like, you have got to tell your mom and dad, and you have got to tell Courtney. And he's like, and you have got to share this story somehow. He's like, this is too big for you to carry. That is so much weight for you to carry. And that was the first time that I had ever mentioned it in my life. Wow. And David, how did you react? Was your initial reaction, oh, cool? Or was it, holy cow, like, this is my birth mother who's, uh, like, what is she... I mean, what went through your mind? When, when I got the first message from her? Yeah. It, I remember getting that first message, and I, w I was overwhelmed. I mean, it, it was an overwhelming moment. Caught me off guard, even though I, I knew it may be coming. It was, just, it was just a lot of emotions coming at me. And you can ask my mom, I, I am not a very uh, emotional guy. And so um, it, it was tough. It, it, was, uh, it was exciting, but it was scary. It was another part of your life that, that you didn't really know. And it was coming at you. And so I responded to her first message. And we started communicating slowly. And, and Melissa wanted to meet 
And I, and I wasn't ready yet. We talked for about a year before I was ready. And then what, what, went through your, what went through your mind with, with regard to how am I, how's my mom and dad going to feel about this? Did that worry you? That, that really did. Uh, I have a very small family, and we're going to make me tear up over here, too. Um, You're not an emotional guy. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Touche. Uh, we're really close, and I love my family so much. And that was a big part for me. I didn't want them to worry about feeling replaced or that I was searching for something more. And... When I told my parents about it, they, um, they were more ecstatic than I was. They were very happy. They wanted to see Melissa and say, thank you for giving us your, our son. And so they really encouraged me that this is a wow. really good thing. And we're not, we're not scared. We love you. We know you love us. And they, they, they were nothing but supportive and positive throughout the whole experience. When you met, how many days did you spend together before you went back to your to your homes in different states? About three? Yeah, maybe, maybe four. Three or four? I think we spent two days with, with you and then two days with my biological father, Brian. And we did activities. We yeah, went, we did. We even <laughs> we went did. skydiving. <laughs> you, went sky, wait, you, you knew each other for two, three days and you went skydiving together? That, that, that was all her, right? Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it was not. It was both of us. When you guys heard that Alex and Stephen Kendrick and I wanted to make a movie about your story, what was your initial reaction? I, I remember when you called me. Uh, I didn't have your number. We had never talked before. And I remember I was leaving one of my law school classes and I was driving and, and I answered the phone and I remember you saying, hey, it, it's Kirk Cameron. I saw your documentary. This has got to be a full-length movie. I remember just hearing that and being in shock. Much like when I got the first message from Melissa. And we, uh, I remember just being very excited about it. And I just, the fact that this story is now going to be taken to levels we could have never reached and I'm just excited God is using the story now through you guys to continue to share this message. I on the other hand had a different experience. When I got the phone call um, I hung up on somebody twice. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> and why did you hang up on them? Multiple reasons. At first I kind of thought it was a prank and then I was he's like um he calls me back and he's like, um, no, this is so-and-so and I don't want to name names. And, and he's like, I'm speaking on behalf of, and I'm like, I'm not interested. This story's not for, not for sale because I had been speaking about, I lived on Parker Avenue. And I mean, I was sharing from my heart and for the right reasons. And I didn't want somebody coming in and taking away something that I worked so hard for and going out and speaking and sharing the story of, I lived on Parker Avenue is changing so many lives still today. And right now, just that I know of, 10 babies have been saved just that I know of from abortion. Mm. And 11 families have been guided to resources to help them parent. And I know those aren't big numbers, but when you think of each child, each child is a whole generation. That's right. And I didn't want anything to come between that. What was it like meeting the actors who played you in the movie? It was, it was awesome. I remember we went on set and uh, Raphael Ruggiero walked out and just to see him, uh, it, it's, it's so hard to put in the words, but to see him and get to know him and see how beautiful of a person he is. And he, he had a heart for sharing our story and to meet somebody that wanted to share our story in that role and to see him even have the, the scar on the back, of, the back of his head. I mean, it was just, it, it, was, it was incredible. And... I 
fell in love with Don Long the moment I laid eyes on her. I was sent a photo of someone that was considered to be playing my role. And the moment that I saw that picture, it was instilled in me somehow that I knew that this was the person for the role. So every time I spoke to everyone in the film, I'm like, don't forget Dawn. Don't forget Dawn. Every time I spoke, I was adamant. I'm like, that is the only person that needs to play me. She is meant for this role. And she nailed it. She sure did. She's perfect. Oh, man. And we have become like sisters. I just, I love her so much. Dawn and, and Raphael, I mean, I can't think of anybody else who, who could have played you. And I can't think of anybody else who would have played uh, Jimmy than me. Yeah. Oh. You know? <laughs> and uh, what was so much fun for me, and, and this is one of the cool things about the movie, is that the movie takes place over this span of time of 20 years or so. So from when... Uh, Melissa is there at the clinic and, and giving birth all the way to when, when you connect again. Yeah. And so I had to, you know, put all this like gray hair in my hair. I've got some of my own now, but all this gray hair and wrinkles and kind of age me to be older than I am. And then we do the scenes where I had to be young Jimmy, uh, who was just getting David from the hospital 20 years earlier. And so all the gray had to come out, all the wrinkles had to go away. Uh, some was, of the gray stayed. Some of the gray stayed. I just left some of it in. <laughs> None of it's natural. This oh, is all movie magic. Um, something I do need, to, I don't want to forget, Marissa, young Melissa, yeah. that played me, Marissa Hampton. Oh, my goodness. She did an amazing job as well. Oh, and that's right, because you have, you have two actors I do. who played you. Yes. The young Melissa and the mature Melissa. Thank you. I was glad you didn't say old, <laughs> Melissa. So, yes, but he's still young enough. He didn't have to go through all that. And so, That's right. But Marissa, she did an amazing job as well. And all three of us have become very close. Wow. And, and we were talking earlier. I, I, I'll never forget when young Melissa was um, in that abortion clinic and she was filming that scene that you just described for us a few moments ago while you were sitting outside the set watching on the monitors as your moment was being reenacted after all of these years. And when she was finished with that scene, she was so drained emotionally from having to do that over and over again that she came off that set and I think she almost collapsed into your arms and she into did. Dawn's arms. She did, and uh, we went back to the dressing room, and we just stayed in there, and we all prayed together and comforted, it, comforted each other. It was very emotional for everyone. I think one of the scenes, too, that we, I think I, we really enjoyed seeing it was the reunion scene when we drove up in the van to your house. Yes. And it, it was surreal to see actors playing out the scenes, I should say scenes, yeah. the quotes, because we live those scenes. Yes. Yeah. And to, to, see, to, to live it, see it in the documentary for years, and then now see actors recreate those scenes, it was and surreal. it looked like us. It looked exactly like us. And think of the providential timing of Life yes. Mark coming out now, right on <clears throat> the heels of the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. Yes. Melissa, what do you want for expectant mothers who may be experiencing an unplanned pregnancy right now, what do you want, what do you want to say to them? I would want to say to them to, one, <laughs> please don't give up hope. I want, them, I want them to know they are not alone. 
that there is hope, there is resources available. There are moms and dads that are moms and dads that don't have their children. There are only two adoptions per 100 abortions. And there are so many families that they're just, they're just looking for their children. And I just, I would ask to please consider the adoption option. Mm. David, what, what, what would you like to say to the young men and women who find themselves in this crisis, uh, like Ryan and Melissa did all those years ago, and they're wondering, what in the world do we do? And, uh, and now maybe, maybe abortion is not even an option. Um, what, what could you say to them about the adoption option? I am here today because of adoption. Adoption is a loving option. Birth mothers who choose adoption are heroes. They really are. They choose life in circumstances that were tough. And because of a decision, saved a life and built a family, just like Melissa saved my life and allowed us to have a family. And that's what I hope they get out of Life Mark, that birth mothers are heroes and that adoption saves lives. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.